This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a conversation featuring Terence Hobbs from one of the greatest extreme metal outfits of all time, Suffocation, to share with you. The catalyst for the chat is due to the launch of the group's second ever live album titled Live in North America. It'll be released via Nuclear Blast on November 12th. So that is the catalyst for the conversation, but it is truly an honor to speak to the great Terence Hobbs. I've admired his guitar playing for decades now, it must be said. He is one of the one of the primary movers and shakers of extreme metal guitar playing as it unfolded back in the late 80s and early 90s. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. We're going to listen to a sample of the tune, Pierced From Within, taken from the new live album, and then we'll jump straight into the chat. Here we go. How's things? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, man. Just hanging in there. Getting some things together down here to really start to get uh, focused on uh, more writing, obviously, and some uh, touring soon, you know? How's the Zoomers been going? You've been enjoying them? Um, yeah, I mean, I've had I've had quite a few over the last few weeks. I mean, let alone just like, you know, friends and uh, people that have fanzines, magazines, shit like that. Um mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've just been getting in touch with me here and there. So I've been doing them consistently, like, I don't know, over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 months. But, oh, wow. uh, okay. yep. but not not quite like this, just because we have a release coming, you know what I mean? So yeah. when, we have, when that release comes, then we try to try to cover every area that we can and make sure everybody knows about it. And I mean, you know, the record label is always behind that kind of stuff. So it's it's worth doing. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, I was I was giddy with excitement when I saw the name Suffocation come up, and then there was an opportunity to talk to yourself because I've I've loved your guitar playing since 1995. Um, Right on. You know, love death metal, but your guitar playing in particular, it's just so tight and focused. Uh, We try, man. At least I do. Um, I don't know. It's 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 a weird approach to music, as as far as I'm concerned. You know, I don't want to be too overly technical. you know, there's a lot of bands that do that sort of thing these days, you know, with the advent of new technologies and things like that. Now everything's so picture perfectly precise. And it's like, I don't know, it almost leaves a little bit of a non-human element to it, you know. But, I mean, it's great. It's great for records, man, because we get some really good material out there. You do. You do. So, look, just talking about the live album, though, because I know that's, that's a catalyst for our introduction, but I have spoken to Derek about it. And, um yeah. 
live in North America. And, and what I mentioned to him, I'm going to pass on the compliment to yourself. I said it was an exceptional display of musicianship from one of the greatest extreme metal bands of all time, and I mean that. Well said. Um, I wanted to tell you that. I've been wanting to say that to you for some time because it is important what you do. You know what 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 you what you're doing is meaningful and has been for a very long time. But my my question for you after that is: Do you feel as though you captured the essence of what makes you guys such a crushing act? Well, I think in the live record, um, especially with Frank, I mean, some of the new members are really uh, they really pull their weight more than what people would think. You know what I mean? Because everybody likes to relate everything to the first and second record you ever done in your life, you know, but uh, the newer guys in the band, Eric Moratti, Charlie Arrigo, um, you know, they, they really have embraced the vibe of suffocation more than I possibly could have wanted, which is a great thing for me. And to have them playing live, especially with having Frank at that in particular point in time to, to do the North American tour that we did here and be able to bring a live record out to you. I, yeah. I think it really captured the essence of, of what we are today and what we were back then. And especially nowadays, just because we were able to like, I guess record like maybe 15 or something or other shows like fully, you know, with all individual tracks, be able to listen through it, find the best one that we felt was the best to bring to you guys. Um, I think it, it definitely captured the live aspect of what we were doing, especially uh, in the vibe of having everybody really being focused on doing it you know there was a lot of times where things were very iffy over the years and you know just it more tough to to get things going around but mm. having frank there and having him put in his all feeling comfortable with the songs we're playing these are all songs that we've been playing for quite a while anyway and uh just to capture that vibe that actual vibe of a whole band being there together mm. definitely i think came across on this one and Kristen Donaldson did a great job of mixing it after the fact. So thank you, yeah. Christian. Very awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I got to say, I think it's a better representation of your live sound than the uh, yeah. Quebec live, live album. Absolutely. 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 And I mean, you know, obviously both of them are live. But as I said, like back then, I don't think the technology coming off of uh, live mixing consoles was quite as good, like back during the uh, closing chapter record you know yeah. and uh with this one it was uh, a lot better because a lot of venues had changed over to digital consoles and you were able to capture all that stuff in your computer as much as the the venues had that equipment for it so mm -hmm. i think that really helped a lot to actually capture us live you know mm -hmm. um because even with um even with the close of the chapter record that was done completely live to track you know straight into the straight into straight out of the board more or less and i mean it i think for the time and error that it came out i think it sounded great but i think that this definitely sounds a million times better mm. yeah it's you know? crushing man I, I i give this feedback to a lot of people in your position i listen to it when i'm going to sleep i had it on last night and i just remember thinking jesus that's tight you know, it's just well, yeah, Christian's done a great job with the mixing too, to your point. Yeah, he did. You know, we were also lucky because knowing that that show wasn't like, let's say, the very first or the very last show of a tour, you know, because you go into a tour kind of cold. You know what I mean? Where everybody's starting to feel the vibe of getting into it and, and hearing everybody live on different stages 
And at the end of the tour, usually you're just fucking war torn by that time. And it's like, yeah, you may be rehearsed, but you're war torn. Like we kind of were lucky to be like right at that, that area where we broke in being warm and capturing it like in a venue. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah and the, crowd, the crowd was fucking nuts. It was bananas. I can hear that. Yeah, you can definitely hear that. And that's a good point, actually, with the crowd, i.e. fans. Have they been hitting you guys up for a new live album? Well, I mean, fans have asked us for new material as soon as we come out with new material. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, shit, you guys came out with a new record. And then, like, a week later, they're like, are you working on the next one? And it's like, of course we are, but we also, you know, it takes a lot of time. It's not like you can go out there and... uh especially considering this is like our 11th, 12th record, something to that effect. Um, and, you know, we are writing a new one. We're halfway through it about right now. So hopefully by the middle of next year, we'll have our new one set in stone and everything will be ready to go from that. But, um, you know, they're always asking for new material. I mean, it just seems to me that it's such a thirsty type of world in the underground metal scene. You know, everybody's looking for something new. Everybody's looking for something, you know, cutting edge, groundbreaking, maybe super noisy. I mean, a band like that to me from like, let's say Australia is a portal, you know, Mm -hmm. that band is out of freaking control. And I mean, it's a, it's a very different band. It's not like a, a super neat and clean and tidy band. Like let's say Necrophages is, but -hmm. they have more of that darkened, that dark and noisy feel to it. And I think that, and especially when I seen them live, I thought it was fucking amazing, but. You know, some people are like, what the hell's going on here? And I was like, I don't care. This is sick. <laughs> you know, this is so fucking cool. So, I mean, you know, there's there's just that common, I don't know, line that we try to cross suffocation where it's technical, but yet it still has catchy and it still has the musicianship. And, you know, it has songwriting, not necessarily like run on sentence songs of a lot of pieces put together and just trying to be in extremo. You know what I mean? We kind of try to actually make music out of it. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very atonal, Portal, aren't they? They're, they're just up the road from me here, actually. Are they really? Well, you wish those dudes, when you get a chance, say, what's up? we got to hit some shows together one day. Right? <laughs> that hopefully, would be hopefully if we're all allowed to go back and play shows the right way, <laughs> you know, you may <laughs> see us down there sometime soon. <laughs> did, did you Did you have to do any of those buddy sit-down shows? Um, no, well, we didn't do those. I mean, it, it was kind of hard for us because believe it or not, our drummer, our drummer's Canadian. So when COVID hit, we were on tour with Belfagor and Hate in Europe at the time. And mm. it was like, okay, we all have to fly home. So we disbanded the tour, which was the first time in any of our histories that any of us had to stop a tour mm. over something like this. And we all flew home. Now, my drummer lives eight hours away by car. You know, it takes him like an hour or two to fly here, but he's Canadian. So us being in New York and him being Canadian, next thing you know, now we have border problems. You know what I mean? Just to get him back to New York to come and rehearse where things were a lot easier before pre-pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually at my house right now. We finally got him back down here. So things are looking up in the right in the right direction, you know? We have some shows coming up and stuff, but it was really kind of difficult for us because we couldn't get together the same way that we used to and be able to rehearse and be able to work on older songs and bring them into our sets and be able to go out and tour the way that we were supposed to. And after all these months, you know, it was it was just it's very difficult for us just because of that international aspect. And, yeah. uh, you know, if 
if our buddies in Despised Icon were like, you need a drummer and we got your dude. <laughs> and I was like, okay, man. And we got him and we've had him for, you know, like five years. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like we could just turn face and really go and just get a fill-in drummer for the time. knowing, you know, it just wasn't right. That feeling wasn't right. The camaraderie wasn't right. We were all not yeah. in the room together. And just like the live album, we all were in the room together, being able to practice and rehearse and know everybody's feel. So what you got on the stage was what you got from the band as a live band, you know, as opposed to, you know, doing everything through Zoom or, you know, mm-hmm. face chat or whatever you may have, you know. That shit kind of sucks. It takes the actual human element, I think, away a little bit, you know. Especially yeah, for us right. musicians trying to feel where everybody's hitting the same mark and, you know, those cues and the a- a- being able to improvise and, you know, just do do cool shit because we all know what each other's going to do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different doing it over uh, across the line, uh, across the internet. Yeah, to your point, I call it molecule interaction. You don't get it this way. No, no, you don't. And I mean, you know, I guess we had a little bit too much molecule interaction over the last few. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I mean, you know, that shit doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I think it's pretty highly ridiculous that we're all into this point of, you know, vaccines, you can't travel, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, granted, you know, we had the measles and the mumps and polio and all that shit. You got to get a vaccine, go and get a vaccine, but it shouldn't be forced on anybody, you know, in my uh, 100%. Opinion. Oh, 100%. You know, on it yeah. shouldn't be stopping people from, you know, pursuing their loved ones, being able to go out on tour, being able to work their job, um, you know, because a lot of those things, a lot of those things for people require international travel and shit like that. And it really kind of, it really kind of cut that drive for a lot of people across the world, and I think it was a pretty sad moment in time. Right? Oh, it's disgusting what's going on. It's you know, What's the old saying about never waste a catastrophe? Never let a good yeah, catastrophe yeah, go I mean, to crisis we, go to waste. We can't even get Sky News on YouTube anymore just because they're saying that Joe Biden sucks. And it's like, you know what? He does suck. What can I say? He's not doing any good. We can't even watch your news. You know, it's fucked up. I'm so yeah. glad you watched Sky. So you, that's, oh, yeah, that's I, watch, I, I watch everything because, you know, we, that a large part of our career in business, you know, just from putting out albums is traveling and just knowing where you can go and where, and what the rules are and knowing where you stand, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, for most musicians, I don't know if they do sit there and actually watch the news as much as I fucking hate it. You know, because I absolutely can't stand the news. There's nothing good on the news. You know, it's all just miserable shit, you know. But um makes for great content, mind you. You know, for some. Yeah. It really Sky's does. The, Sky is probably the closest to a legitimate news source at this point in time, though, I've got to say. I mean, they've got real journalists on there that are asking tough oh, yeah. questions, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there are some out there, but, you know, the powers that be like to censor that shit down. So we're not mm. allowed to make an educated choice. We only have shit choices that they feed us, which is garbage, you know. But anyway, to make a long story short, I want to get out there. I want to be able to come and play. My guys want to be able to come and play. And, uh, Mm. you know, knowing that we're metal and we can't be held down, nothing's going to stop us. Eventually, we'll get down to Australia and play for all you guys. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Oh, look, believe me, I could talk the politics all day. Uh, but the, you know, I know we talk music, but yeah, oh, it's, mate, what's going on is just disgusting. I think at the moment we're being indoctrinated. Yeah, all this oh, this yeah. extreme left wing ideology, this fucking Marxism that's just so pervasive in public institutions. It's disgusting. Um, 
Oh, it's revolting. It's revolting the way that they're dividing society on the basis of identity, sexuality, yep. and immutable characteristics. Yep, that's it, man. That's all they want to do. And they want to cry that whole racism shit where people haven't been fucking worried about that here in the fucking states for fucking God knows how long. And they just keep throwing it back at you and ramming it down your throat for no reason. It's really uh, it's really awful. But you know what? At least we still have the metalheads out there that are listening to music, and that's what we strive to do more than anything else. Other than talk about what the fuck. That's that? what I meant. That's what I meant up top about what you're doing, what you're doing with what you are doing with the band being so important because people are suffering. Yeah. And they need bands like Suffocate. People like me, mate, we need extreme metal. It's how I, do. I love hey, listen, I love funk, yeah. disco, and extreme metal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not close-minded to music either. You know what I mean? I listen yeah. to a lot of different, a lot of different things because you know who wants to? I don't know. You can't be going seven hundred thousand miles an hour every single minute of the day. You know, so mm-hmm. there's a time and place for everything, and I think music is meant to be moods, and um, you know, we we all want to, we all want to be able to do the same thing, whether or not the style of music is different or not. And I think that because of this this pandemical bullshit that we got going on, it's uh, it's hit it from it's hit it from the biggest of musicians to the smallest of musicians in the same way. And I think that should be enough to tell people, hey, this has got to stop. You know, mm. it's really fucked up. Well, it's up to us as the people to vote these bastards out of power. You know, you got that asshole Cuomo in New York, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad he's fucking gone. I can't even stand it. I, I, uh, it's like thank God, but we still have other assholes that are here, like Mm. you know Bill De Blasio. This guy is you know the the mayor or whatever, and he's just fucking. He's terrible. He's just terrible. They're all on the take and corrupt, and it's like you know, Mm. you know, they're all just trying to become president, like Gavin Newsom. They're all just trying to, on this democratic ticket, well, they, they, they absolutely wanted anybody else other than Trump, you know? And that's just because Trump was like, I guess, I mean, yeah, he's egotistical and, you know, he's high on himself and all the rest of that shit, you know, talks about himself a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he, for what he was doing for America, I don't think it was that bad in hindsight compared to what we have now. And, uh, you know, I think that we really need to make sure, especially in, in our Congress and in our government, that it is free. It, it really is free and fair elections. You know what I mean? Not this thing that everybody now kind of thinks that everything is rigged. You know, mm. it, it's like, what choice do you really have? Why would people vote if it's rigged anyway? Mm-hmm. So that trust well, issue, I think, is gone out here. Well, the Democrats are actually pushing for no identification at the voting booth and also mail-in votes well, that's without cool. identification. Now, now, now that means the whole world can vote in America, you know, right. which yeah. is insane, <laughs> you yeah. know. But, hey, you know, I'm not saying that people should not be able to come here freely, should not be able to come visit, come here, seek work, you know, the American way of life, quote-unquote, or at least the past version of it. Mm. But, uh, you know... It has to be done by by some type of rules, you know, like any other country in the world. And I don't understand why it's so hard for these people that run our country to figure that out. So well, I think it's about power to your point. You already touched on oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subjugation and power and the more chaos there is, it's easy, easy to control people. And I think that George Soros and these people who fund these ultra left wing organizations that are causing so many problems at the moment, they know that that's their modus operandi. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth, man. It is definitely a power, a power thing. 
you know. Mm. But I mean, as I said, I'm hoping that things pan out more for next year as well, only because you know we were slated to come there and we were slated to do a lot of other uh, mm. down under type of shows, you know, to your rival Kiwis and all the rest of that. We're going to try to get over there and mm-hmm. you know so on and so forth. And right now we haven't even had the uh, we haven't had the opportunity, man. You know, and every time. From the point that the tour got canceled, all of our bookings and everything to come to Australia, New Zealand, uh, Indonesia, uh, Japan, mm-hmm. all that stuff has been canceled and it's been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So who knows if we'll be able to do it uh, next year the way that we want to. Let's all just hope, hope so. You know? Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Yeah. Hey, if it's okay with you, I want to go back in time a bit because you are one of the originators of the extreme metal, broader extreme metal genre. You've been there, if not since the first note was struck. You've certainly been in the scene that long, but you've been a contributor that entire time, if you like, way back since the late 80s. So, but um, my question for you is around Scott Burns, you know, another famous name. Uh, I think he's a uh, phenomenal man. (laughs) I mean, He's done work on some of the greatest bands ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He did, certainly did great for us. And I, I I don't have a bad word to say about the man. What I can tell you is he'll make you work in the studio. That's for damn sure. So for the musicians that like to cut and paste and, and splice and edit, it wasn't like that for us. We actually had to go and play it. And it's yeah. still like that today because he's instilled Scott Burns since that day back in 1990 or whatever um he instilled a lot in us on especially in me the older members of the band that are still out there fucking doing their thing um he really instilled a lot of integrity and how to record and how to go about it i think in all of us and still to this day we remember that like very well so you know from that, it was a very big learning experience being like one of the first real engineers for us to work with. But it also was really, really educational to show you what you should be doing in order in order to get that record sound best, you know. And uh, I got to thank him for that, because without that, I don't think I'd I'd even be where I'm at anywhere near close today. Yeah, yeah. Well, the studio was the great leveler. I came up in an era where you had to get it right in the studio from the start of the song to the end too when you're playing. And uh, and and to your point, I didn't realise that he was he was that was part of his philosophy. But what um, what are the unique characteristics that he brings to the band setup and recording? Do you feel makes him so great? Well, I mean, I just think the man knew his craft in that studio right from right from the beginning. So for us coming in, being a new band, he had already worked with so many bands. And I mean, very professional bands as well. You know, at that time, I was only, I was just turning 21 years old uh, during the recording of FG The Forgotten. Hmm. So for me, for me to go into the studio and actually sit down there and learn how to mic cabinets and see what was going on, see what it meant to, to see what would it take to get the drummers drums to sound right. Um, understand the, uh, well, just the different forms of equipment that were in the room um, to actually tracking it to what would sound good. Just um, to even just producing, like taking pieces of music out or putting it in, in certain areas to make the song sound more, listenable like he 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 really is 
he's the man, you know, there's no other words for me to say about it, but he's the man. And I mean, I think if you listen to his past recordings, even, you know, like, let's say obituary slowly rewrought, which they did on an eight track and they gave to Burns to mix. It's still, it holds up to till today, you know, as an eight track, kind of like the Beatles, you know, <laughs> still hold up today from, from those early, early sixties records and things like that. So, um, you know, I really think he's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic guy. Um, I think he's a fantastic engineer and producer, you know. The other blast from the past, your partnership with Doug Sarita was one of the most important partnerships in extreme metal history. So so what qualities did Doug bring to your partnership that you feel made you guys so good? Well, I mean, with Doug, it was always, it was always a good thing. I mean, Doug was on a different side of the spectrum than me, you know, um, not necessarily in writing riffs, but wanting to push ourselves further, you know, further along the way. So thinking ahead of ourselves and, and making riffs and structuring them and, and just pushing to be extreme. It was like, we both really fed off of that a lot. And I mean, he's still my friend to this day, you know, every time that we run into each other, it's always a good time. And, uh, which is, which is a fabulous thing. Although music is, the music has changed his interest in suffocation has changed his interest in playing the style of music has changed somewhat. Um, you know, but back in the time, back in those days, we were just really excited to play metal. And, and when we wrote a riff that we all grooved on that we really liked that we thought it always made us push each other a little bit further to write other material that was more, let's say brutal technique thought out, um, thinking more ahead of ourselves. And with that, I got to thank him too, because, you know, that kind of, that kind of experience and that kind of vibe being young really helped to keep that alive in me and with the rest of the guys that are newer since, you know what I mean? For real. Yeah. The other fellow was, of course, Mark Smith. I mean, Mike's drumming and percussion is just, yeah. I mean, you, you go back and have a listen to Pierce from within, you know where I'm headed. Oh, yeah. um, so are you still in touch with Mike? And Oh, uh, yeah, we still have a relationship. I mean, we weren't really getting along that well, but still, that's all been squashed in the past. Um, hmm. You know, we, we tried it. I guess we just have clashing personalities because we had tried it once, the band broke up, we tried it again, and, yeah. you know, things just didn't really work out. Not going to get into all the details of it, but, uh, you know, we're still in touch with each other. You know, we still have the crown and ground of all the old albums that we did together. You know, same thing with Frank Mullen. He still has a very good relationship with Mike as well. And mm -hmm. every now and then we pop up together and everybody will get together in some way, shape or form, whether or not like we pop up at a bar together or uh, just an outing of one of our friends and families that are all in common. We still run into each other. So things are, st are still good. Things are calm. And, uh, I think everybody has matured a lot more since since the times of all the turmoil. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did did, did you face a, a lot of criticism back in two thousand and three when you decided to reform the band? Well, there was always criticism because certain people just didn't want to deal with other people, and like, you know, for me it was kind of a no brainer because you know I had been there since the beginning, so it was just like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna play back in the same band I was a part of from the beginning, and. Basically, you know, it, it, it was hard going in getting each member to want to say that they were going to do it because that wasn't really the case. So, you know, from that point, 
once the band had gotten back together and the lineup that it was, you know, certain people were like, well, it's not the original lineup. I'm not going to care. But those are those metal elitist people that, you know, because they bought a record and listened to it for 30 years, think they're a part of your band and they just want to, you know, they, they leave no room for growth or expansion or anything or even just giving anything a chance. So with that, I just took that all with a grain of salt and so did the other guys. And we just did what we wanted to do at the time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Roger Patterson from Atheist. Yeah. Did you, did you, ever, did you ever perform with him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the days, we had performed with him, Kelly and all the other guys from Atheist. Uh, hmm. Way back in the beginning of our career, early 90s, 91, 92. Hmm. Um, when, when Roger died, it was kind of sad because we had already had we had met the atheist guys and we really all had gotten along, you know, at a very small shows. In fact, other people like George Corpse Grinder would frequent that, that in particular venue. Um, a lot of the ripping corpse guys would be there. Human remains. Eric. Um, yeah. 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 Eric. Eric's great. Um, mm. There's just, you know, there was just a ton of early musicians that would always frequent this one club in New Jersey because that's where the shows were going on on Sundays. And that's where we would go and play. And of course, we had played with a lot of great bands back then, um, you know, from from Monstrosity to Ripping Forbes, Human Remains, um, I, I mean, Candle Bash, you name it. There was just tons of bands. And um, we, um, we really became good friends with them at playing those shows in those venues. And uh, once Roger died, it was a sad day for fucking bass players all around the world. I mean, especially for me, you know, maybe people don't remember him that well, but he was a fucking animal on the stage. The guy, he just he beat the death out of his bass and fucking had more energy than you could possibly believe, you know? And it was really great to uh, be able to experience that from back in the day that some people just won't, you know? I'd go so far as to say he's the most accomplished extreme metal bassist ever. Um, for me, I would have to say, yeah. I mean, looking back in retrospect, I can only imagine what he would have been like now if he was still alive. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we still have other great bass players. I mean, we got Steve DiGiorgio out there who's who's always been holding it down. You know, you can't Alex Webster's, you know, people of that nature. And and they're, they're holding it down for Roger. You know, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure that they were all just as well influenced by him, just like we were. Yeah, look, I say what I say about Roger with with absolute reverence and mad respect toward Alex and Steve. I've spoken to Steve at length. Yeah. Tremendous guy, tremendous bassist, extremely creative, and I love what he's doing Absolutely. on the, the fretless there. Just great, great. We, we're so blessed at the moment, aren't we, with these great musicians that we have around us? I mean, it's it's sad when we lose them, but, yeah, we still have some really great ones out there, so people should make sure that they uh, support them as much as they can through these fucking really trying times, you know? Mm. So Mate, a couple more questions for you. I've always been interested to understand which guitarist inspired you to play the guitar. Oh man, there are so many and it is going to be a never ending list. But I mean, I've, I've had so many guitar players inspire me, you know, from, from BB King to Jimi Hendrix to uh, Robert Johnson. And I mean, the list goes on from there. I mean, Jimmy Page was influential when I was very young, mm -hmm. um, you know, Angus Young, ACDC, that whole thing. Um, but from there, it just got even more heavier, you know, when it came down to like, Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi, um, you know, the Iron Maiden, the Ozzy Osbournes, the, that whole entire 
episode, it was just like, I was just listening to guitar players left and right. Mm. And I, I really have to, I'd have to say that like maybe the three most influential for me would have probably been like Ingve Malmsteen, of course, Slayer, Jeff Hanneman, Kerry King. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, you know, Ingve Malmsteen, Randy Rhodes, Tony Iommi, they all just, they all have their little place in my heart. None's bigger than the other. It's just there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, I mean, it just went down the line. It really did. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, but you've, because it's a big jump though from those sounds to what you're doing here. So was, oh, yeah. was that just, was that just what was going on in the scene at the time? And you guys were all inspiring each other. You heard Trey and you went, holy shit, I'm going to do this. And you sort of took it. The different yeah, direction. I mean, yeah. I mean, it went like that. Like, it, you know, we were always listening to things that had guitars in it. And we always were inspired by the heavier, the heavier, darker tones in music, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so when I'm saying the, the Jimi Hendrixes and the Rob and the Jimmy Pages and so on and so forth, I mean, maybe back then it was considered dark, but not quite as dark as like when you got to Diary of a Madman or when you got to like Mob Rules or, you know, things of that nature, even with Dio, you know, like Ronnie James Dio and, and all that stuff, like those guitar players, they were the more solo guitar players. They weren't the rhythm, the rhythmic speedy players. And like Metallica, for example, like Hmm. when I heard Ride the Lightning and I heard Master of Puppets, it was like really, the show was over. It was like, oh, okay. You know, that kind of guitar sound, I love it. That speed of the drums, I love it. Um, The technicality in the guitar solos, I kind of love it like that. Like. And it was just a big clusterfuck of influences that kind of, you know, because as as more aggressive music became more more available, mm-hmm. we were just soaking it up. You know what I mean? And that's all we wanted to do was be kind of extreme, you know? So, you know, we were very influenced by all of those things coming up the line, you know? Influenced and extremely influential you are. Well... I'm glad that people like our stuff at least a little bit, you know, (laughs) it is, it is, it is something that you have to develop a palette for. So, you know, most of the time you play this kind of music for any average uh, soccer mom and she's like, Oh my God, let's just kill your mother, kill your father stuff. (laughs) Then you have to go and put on dying fetish just to make sure that, you know, you get that affirmation. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Or portal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I do. Hey, look, I'm I'm a householder these days, got a mortgage, got two kids. So I've got a you know full time job. But the music never leaves you. It's in it's with the heart. It's in the heart. It's it's here, man. And the reality is, mate, I think, yeah, you got to do the work as a kid to get into it. There's a big jump from Metallica to you guys and Morbid Angel. Yeah, but, absolutely. But stick with it. I say that to the young ones. I say stick with it because it's meaningful right. and it'll connect with your spirit and your soul. Exactly. And I mean, you know, if any of us old schoolers like did our jobs right, you know, the younger generation will take a look back from all the new stuff that they're learning about in school. Take a look back to the shit that we were listening to because we're the old farts and go, oh, now I see where they got it from. You know what I mean? And hopefully that will reflect in, you know, in society in the future, because, you know, the young kids now that have YouTube that can learn how to play music quickly, that don't have to deal with teachers, that have the internet as as a guide, like they're the future of where music's going. And I hope that they look back on the past to musicians like us and like Cannibal and like Deicide and like, you know, Morbid Angel and, you know, Slayer and before, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that they, they get a good listen to it and can put two and two together, you know? Mm. That final question for you. Do you have a, do you have a favorite suffocation album? Um, well, that's kind of hard to say. Obviously, you know, the first things that I've ever done are always my favorite. So mm-hmm. Human Ways, Stephagy the Forgotten are my favorite. Um, I think, you know, music technicality. Um, I think Breeding the Spawn, even though it didn't sound that great, was one of my favorites. Difficult record to play, you know. I think Pierce from Within has become, you know, a favorite of mine just because that was like the next, I guess, cutting edge one in feedback that I got from people all around the world that were like, this album's awesome. And of course, we still play songs off of it live in our set, you know, and uh, it has just become, you know, so they're all really my favorite. They all have something. They all have something to give back to me from that time and point place. But if I had to give it to one of them as my all time like favorite one. And this wouldn't be, this wouldn't be like, you know, this is like a, a, a fraction of a hair difference between all the rest of them, in my opinion, would probably be Pierce from the, I think that was kind of like our most cutting edge record at the right place at the right time with the right resources, the right members. Um, you know, I think that that one over the course of the years has withstood the test of time, and I think it's still hopefully. You know? I had it on last night, and I've got to tell you, I believe that album is timeless. I think it's 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 like Altars of Madness or Covenant. It's it's that's what I mean. It's probably yeah. it's it's probably so hard for another musician to make that kind of assessment. I'm not saying that you didn't pose a good tough question because it was good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I think for any musician out there that's got a you know, a, a collection of records that they have made and that they've been a part of. It's really hard to kind of pick one and say it's your favorite, you know, because there's always those things in one album that it's like, fuck, I wish it was on that album. Oh, fuck, I wish that was on that album. You know what I mean? Oh, shit, mm-hmm. I wish I could have changed that little piece right there just a little. So, you know, there, there's those little nuances that, that really make it hit home for me. And as I said, it's a really, really very small margin why would even make that choice, you know? I get you. you got so many killer albums. There's not a dud in the bunch. If you love extreme metal, you'll... my view is that if you love extreme metal, you love suffocation. There you go. Right on. Well, I hope that, you know, coming up over this next year, um, that the new stuff, which is really, it's super aggressive stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to miss a beat with it. Um, hope you guys get a chance to um, go out and get it and hopefully give it a chance, you know? It's going to be a little different. It's not Frank Mullen on it, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still, still, it's still going to be super. Yeah. yeah. The guitar playing, the lyric patterns, just it's all going to still be there. So no worries. Well, thanks so much for making the music that you've made. You know, I think it's meaningful. A lot of people feel the same way and can't wait to see you guys down here again. Thanks, Andy, man. Really appreciate it. And to everybody out there, listen and pay attention. Stay heavy. Support the local underground. Give Andy an extra listener too because he deserves it. Sticking it out for you guys. And uh, stay safe and hopefully we'll come down there and we'll be playing for you and hanging out with you soon. So good. So awesome. Thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Andy. Anytime, man. Just keep an ear out and an eye out. We'll be there. For sure, mate. No worries. Well, thanks again. No worries.
Talk to you soon. You got it, my friend. Cheers, mate. Gotcha. That chat with Terence Hobbs from Suffocation is easily in my top five all-time conversations that I've conducted for the podcast. Magnificent. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. If you like what you heard, go across to scarsandguitars.com where you'll find many more conversations. Maybe not like that one there. That was quite special, but many more conversations that resemble that one there. If you like your hard rock, heavy metal, extreme metal, that sort of thing, you're going to find plenty of chats to wrap your ears around. So that's it. Until next time, take it easy, and it's a very good bye for now.